So this morning, I said we're going to talk about thankfulness, and that's where we're going to go. And so if you guys have a Bible, pull it out. We're going to look first at a passage of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 16 through 18. And, uh, and so when we look at these passages um, together this morning, this, we're just going to briefly touch this one, and then we're actually going to uh, spend a little more time in a story from Luke chapter 17. But 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 through 18, says something to us that's, that's rather profound. It's not the only place that we see something like this, but uh, I would actually say it's pretty challenging when I read it. And so 1 Thessalonians, Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words. Here's what it says. It's on the screen above me. I hope you've got your copy of Scripture or your, your phone out or something. You can read it for yourself. Rejoice always. Hey, we got a, sorry, we got a, we got a yellow jacket or something trying to sting me up here. Uh, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, when I read that, I'm like, wow. Notice those words, always, constantly, in everything. I mean, this is, these are all absolutisms, right? They're, always, they're, they're telling us that we should rejoice always. Like, really? We should pray constantly. Really? We should be thankful in everything. And literally in the Greek, that word in everything is this idea that in all that's connected to our circumstances, in connection with everything that occurs, in everything in life, no matter what that might be, that we should give thanks. So you don't have any wiggle room when you read these verses. It's like, how in the world am I supposed to rejoice always, pray in everything, give thanks in everything? Like that just doesn't feel possible, God. But these are instructions from God's word, and we know that he doesn't give us instructions that we can't follow, right? But he gives us instructions that will require him to follow. And so we need his help to actually do these things. And I would actually make the point in this that um, this week as I was studying, I, I I know I've thought this before, but it was amazing to me to look through all the scripture and to realize how much... Uh, how many times we see this idea of thankfulness, gratitude, uh, thanksgiving. It's all over the text. It's all through the Bible. And it's a much bigger issue. And maybe even next year or maybe sometime in the future, we'll have time to unpack uh, this idea of thankfulness and how important it is to the, the life of a believer. But let me just suffice it to say this. There is a direct connection between thankfulness and spiritual maturity. There's a direct connection between thankfulness and spiritual maturity. I mean, just reading those verses and giving thanks in everything, giving thanks in everything, like that requires some, some, some maturity, some depth. Would you agree? It requires some real committedness to say, I'm going to be thankful even when I get the diagnosis of cancer, even when disaster strikes, even when uh, the wheels fall off in my marriage, even when I lose my job, even when my kids are totally being rebellious punks, right? When all those things, I'm going to be thankful. Like that doesn't feel like it's a really fun thing to try to, to, to do in light of all of my circumstances and situations. But I want you to know Thanksgiving is the essence of the Christian life. It really is a huge aspect of who we are as Christians because we understand something that people who aren't Christians, they don't, they don't understand. And we're going to talk about some of that this morning. Here's the other thing I, I saw as I, I really looked at the scripture. 
a lack of thankfulness, and maybe this is self-reflection, but I think it's also a reflection of what we see in the, in the text. A lack of thankfulness reveals a lack of recognizing what we have received, who we have received it from, and why we have received it. A lack of thankfulness reveals a lack of recognizing what we have received, who we've received it from, and why we have received it. Now, let me explain this by telling you, or at least reading to you a story from Luke chapter 17. So if you got your Bibles, turn over to Luke 17, because we're going to be there for just a minute. I'd rather you see this with me and wait for you. And in Luke 17, uh, Jesus is doing what Jesus does. He's continuing to teach. He's continuing to uh, disciple his disciples, and he's always you know, journeying around as he does this. In verse 11 in chapter 17 of Luke, again, it's on the screen above me if you need it, it says this. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 men with serious skin diseases met him. They stood at a distance. Now, I'm going to stop there for just a second. So Jesus is with his disciples. He's traveling along, and it says he entered a village. Now, what's interesting about that is if he entered the village... And 10 men with serious skin disease encounter him and and, and engage with him. Chances are this was actually a village full of sick people. Okay? Uh, And here's why. Because when we say serious skin disease, what we're assuming here, based on what we know about this day and age, is that these guys had probably had leprosy. And any of you ever uh, studied leprosy or done any research on that or Googled that? Uh, make sure that you've, uh, you're ready for some intensity when you, you Google leprosy because it is a nasty and gnarly disease, all right? Uh, for those of you that have been around uh, church, maybe you've heard somebody talk about leprosy before, but just in case you haven't, um, leprosy is one of those diseases, a skin disease, where literally your flesh rots. Like body parts fall off, fingers, toes, eventually uh, even ears, noses. I mean, your, your face... Uh, your, your hands, your feet, everything just begins to rot off, and it smells like death. And so literally, you are there rotting to death if you've got leprosy, if you've got the skin disease. Can you imagine? And because of this, of course, back then, they couldn't medicate anything. The only thing they could do is quarantine you. So they try to push you into a place where they could get you away from the general population so that you didn't pass this on because nobody wants this disease. You smell terrible. You look terrible. It's gross. So family members literally just say, we love you, and kind of almost have like a, a funeral and send them off to this leper colony to live and to just rot and, and rot away until they die. A sad, sad reality, isolated from community, only with other people who had this skin disease. And in fact, if they did ever happen to get close to anyone who was healthy, anyone who wasn't uh, inflicted with this disease... You know what they would, they would do? They have to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. So the people knew, I don't want to get near these guys. So literally, they were isolated to the degree that they couldn't even engage in culture and society. Many of them maybe had not seen their family, their friends, or if they had, they'd only seen them from a distance. They couldn't touch them. They couldn't hug them. They couldn't get kisses. They couldn't have their kids sit in their lap. They couldn't, you know, give their, their spouse a hug. They were literally isolated physically, emotionally. I mean, I'm sure they were wrecked. Are, are, you, are you with me? These guys, it was a bad, bad deal. And for a colony, a leper colony, I'm sure even just from a distance, you could smell the stench coming from this place. And Jesus enters this village. And these 10 guys, we don't know how how many were in the village, but at least 10 show up and they say, Jesus, have mercy on us, right? Have mercy on us. In fact, they said, Jesus, master, 
have mercy on us. So somehow they heard Jesus was coming and somehow they understood that Jesus was a significant guy, that he was a big deal. Now notice this in verse 14. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, first off, Jesus sees them. He sees their conditions. He sees their situation. He doesn't turn a blind eye to that. How many times in my own life have I seen somebody in need and just said, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look, right? I mean, it's like the guy that's standing on the corner and he's got a need. He's disabled and he's, he's trying to get money. And I'm just like, okay, God, I'm just going to block this out until that light turns green. But Jesus sees them, he sees their need, he hears their cry, and he says, go and show yourselves to the priest, because part of their culture, part of their day, part of the, the ceremonial process of being clean is to go to the priest, present themselves, and to be declared clean so they could reenter society. And while they were going, they were healed. So can you imagine what this is like? Here's these 10 guys, they're going, and as they're going, like fingers are regrowing, noses reappear like they're healed they are healed of the skin disease it's gone i mean we don't know to what degree we're speculating here but i I mean think about it if these guys had leprosy and their bodies had been rotting away their flesh had been rotting literally all of a sudden they're feeling their their feeling in their their fingers come back their 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 whole bodies are, are being healed and restored in front of them that would be awesome wouldn't it incredible moment for these guys so they are healed of this horrific evil disease and notice what happens but one of them how many one of them seeing that he was healed returned and with a loud voice he gave glory to god in fact he fell down face down at his feet jesus's feet thanking him and notice luke says and he was a samaritan so he was uh, an outsider, he was, by Jewish terms, they would have called him a half-breed. Uh, he was not a full person. I mean, literally, in, in the eyes of the Jewish people. And yet, he's the one who comes back. Just like in the story of the Good Samaritan, uh, this is shocking to the people of the day that Jesus would even talk to him. And now he, as a leper and a Samaritan, has been healed by Jesus. And he's the one of the ten who comes back. He falls down at Jesus' feet, and he says, thank you. Thank you. In fact, he cries out, Uh, We don't know what he cries out, but he gives glory to God. He gives glory to God. And what happens after that? Well, Jesus says, we're not 10 cleansed? Weren't there 10 of you guys? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith is has made you well. Now, I've thought about that, that last verse there. Um, does that mean that the other nine didn't actually end up being healed? I, I don't know. Um, it's just an interesting thought that he says, your faith has made you well. But all I know is this, is that one out of 10 came back and actually said, thank you. One out of 10. I mean, these other nine guys experienced healing as they were going to the priest's as they were going to do what he told them to do. And I'm wondering if the other nine, it's like, uh, you know, the moment that they started seeing themselves healed, they actually took off, you know, to go see their family. <laughs> They're thinking, I'm clean. I'm gonna go see my, my spouse. I'm gonna go see my kids. I mean, you, can you blame them? I mean, just think about this, how incredible this was. Go and find their friends. 
Go and find their, their family. Go and find the people who they, they loved dearly and hadn't seen or hadn't been around. And they're saying, they, they, they completely forget that Jesus is the one. And so I said earlier, before we started reading this verse, these verses, that a lack of thankfulness reveals a lack of recognizing what we have received, who we have received it from, and why we have received it. And I think in this passage, you see these three things to be evident. First off, what we have received. I mean, I think these guys understood that they had been healed. I, I mean, I think that these guys had to be blown away by this. But for some reason, in this minute, in this moment, they forget to be thankful to Jesus. They forget to be thankful to the God who actually did it. And that's the question. That the next part of it is who we have received it from. This guy understands exactly who he's received it from. That's why he falls face down on the ground, which is a sign of understanding his deity, his lordship, his authority. He falls down on the ground. And he says, thank you, thank you, thank you, right? Point being this is that um, he understands this, this person that he's received this gift from is the, is the Christ, is Jesus. Which, by the way, they had all declared earlier that Jesus was the master. But in this moment, he's the only one that comes back and actually falls down on his feet. On, on his face at Jesus' feet. And then he understands why he has received it. What's he do whenever he receives this? He gives glory to who? God. That's right. He gives glory to God. So in this scene, we see this man. He understands what he has received. He understands who has given it, and he understands why he has received it, to give glory to God. In our lives, let me just take that for just a second and think about that. First off, what have we received? And I'm going to come back to this in a minute because I think this is so appropriate in terms of us uh, being thankful this week. And hopefully it's not just this week, not just thank for Thanksgiving, but my hope was to, to stimulate us this week to be thankful again, to remind ourselves of that. Because what I've learned is that whenever you are an unbeliever, whenever you are not saved, you're not sure of your salvation, you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity, you're not sure of the forgiveness you've received in Christ, um, you know, it, it makes sense not to be thankful. But what happens is, is um, when you have come to faith in Christ, at that moment, and some of you guys can remember this moment if you stop and think about it, at the moment that you put your trust in Christ, you had this incredible gratitude that just welled up within you. Would you agree? You're like, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me hope. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Like, you were, you were thankful. You were excited. In fact, you actually told other people uh, without even being prompted because you were excited. You were thankful. But here's what I've noticed in my life and maybe your life. The farther we're removed from that moment where we went from death to life, from unforgiven to forgiven, from shame to confidence in who we are in Christ, from fear and anxiety and worry about what's coming in the future to a confidence and a peace that God's got this. That the farther we get removed from that moment, the less thankful we are. That the less we find ourselves saying thank you. It's human nature, isn't it? It's human nature that the farther we remove from that moment, we find ourselves just less and less thankful. I'm just being honest about my own heart here. And so in that, we need help. We need, we need help working through some of that. And how do we continue to remain thankful? How do we continue to remain a people of, of giving thanks? Because first off, there are, um, there are some thankfulness deterrents in our lives. There are some, some, some thankfulness deterrents. Uh, let me just give you two this morning, okay? First one, they both start with E, by the way. Number one, the first one is entitlement. This is when we 
think we deserve what we've gotten, when we believe that we deserve what we have received. And I'm not just talking about we think we deserved a car, a house, a spouse, um, a job. Like that that's permeates the American culture. A lot of times we feel like we've earned this stuff and so we, we deserve it. We're entitled to it. But even as Christians, sometimes we feel like we are entitled to the benefits and the blessings that God has given us, right? We're, we're, we're entitled to our salvation even. Because we don't have leprosy. At least I don't think anybody here has leprosy. But we have a sin problem. We aren't just rotting flesh. We have rotting in our souls and our spirits before Jesus comes in and he redeems and he restores and he heals. He doesn't just heal us from our sin. He heals us from our broken sin nature that keeps us separated from God. We're not just isolated from people. We're isolated and disconnected from a holy God. And he comes in, he heals us. Are you with me? And sometimes we can take that for granted. We can actually feel like we become entitled to that. Like, this is how I see it working out. Um, We, at that moment, we came to faith in Christ. We realized we were broken people. In fact, you have to understand you're broken in order to come to faith and salvation in Christ. You have to understand that you're a sinner and that you're a rebel and that you need Jesus to rescue you. But the farther you get away from that, you do good stuff and you start saying, well, you know, I do pretty good, Jesus. So maybe I do deserve some credit here. Maybe I have, you know, I've gone faithfully to church for 10 years now, God. Maybe that should earn me something, right? Uh, God, I've, I've told people about you. Uh, I've gone on a mission trip, right? Last, last week we talked about that. Um, I read my Bible. I do these things. And so we would actually say sometimes we feel like we've actually deserved or now earned our way. And I want to remind us this morning that everything we have that is good, especially our salvation, is a gift from our God. It's a gift. If there's anything good that we've received, in particular our salvation, it is from God. In fact, Scripture says in James, it says, every good and perfect gift comes from who? The Father. It comes from the Father of light. That's what helps us. But when we realize that entitlement will sneak in and we'll, we'll feel like we deserve everything we have, we'll, we won't be thankful people. The second thing that will really deter us from being thankful is envy. Envy. Now, I'm just guessing nobody here struggles with that, but I'll, I'll just go ahead and admit I do at times. Because here's what envy says. It's not just about de- being discontent. It's looking around at what everybody around me has and wanting their stuff, right? And envying them, being jealous for it, desiring it. And what's interesting about envy is that you're always looking at what you don't have and you look at what everybody else has that you don't have. And so it drives this continual discontent in your life. And we live in the world of envy because there's always people who have stuff around us that, that we don't have and we want, right? So they have... You know, they have a certain house we want. We have a certain job we want. They have a certain vacation experience we want. They have a certain this or that. I mean, we can go on and on and on, and we can envy. And guess what? Envy will, will keep you from being a thankful person. Because instead of thanking God for what you do have, what do you do? You're always looking at what you don't have. God, I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have that. And so instead of being thankful, instead of being grateful, we are people of envy. And we look around, and those things will deter us from being a thankful, grateful people. But thankfully, there's also some thankfulness builders. There's also some thankfulness builders. Uh, let me just give you two. This one we've already alluded to, and I want to say it again for my benefit and for yours, and that is regular reflection on the grace of God, the gifts of God. Regular reflection. What does that look like? 
Well, next week we have a, a guest communicator coming, a guest pastor who's actually uh, living in Indonesia right now with his, his wife. They're doing ministry there. And uh, he shared a little bit with our group that one of the things he does every day is when he wakes up in the morning, he pulls out his journal, and he just starts writing down everything he's thankful for. And he's been doing this for like 30-something years. And instead of starting his day with, God, I don't have this, I don't have this, and I don't have this, and I want this, and I want that, he starts it with saying, thank you for all the things you've already blessed me with. You think that would change your life? It would change your world? Absolutely it would. And so what I'm saying to us is that in our lives, we need to regularly reflect on the goodness of God. I grew up as a Baptist kid. I've got the scars to prove it. And I remember like when I grew up in the world that I was in, um, that we were told, we sang this little song in church called Count Your Many Blessings. Anybody know that one? Count Your Many Blessings, name them one by one, and you will discover what the Lord has done, something to that effect. And so I probably butchered it. But anyway, but here's the deal. I, I remember that song and it stuck in my head. It was kind of a cute little song. But if you really stop and think about it, man, we have been blessed beyond measure, but most of the times we're just not recognizing it. We're not realizing it. We're not reflecting on it. I have to regularly reflect on what God has done. If not, again, I'm going I'm to slide back over towards envy. I'm going to slide back over to these things of, of I'm entitled. But regular reflection on the grace. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about gospel and gospel fluency, gospel, uh, preaching the gospel to ourselves, but one of the best ways to fight an ungrateful spirit is just to remember the gospel, to remember what Christ has done, to remember, if you haven't heard this, that you cannot save yourself based on your own works. It's impossible. You cannot save yourself based on how good of a person you are. Jesus Christ alone is our salvation. And when you think about the fact that we were a total train wreck, a total mess, we were rebellious to God, we were living in our sin, we were living in our depravity, and we were happy with it in some ways, and yet Christ redeems us. He pulls us out of the mess, the muck and the mire. That causes our hearts to be stirred with gratitude. But not only is it reflecting on the gospel, but it's actually taking the time to speak those things out. So as you reflect on it, and like practice speaking them out to God and to others. Um, I know that we, uh, you know, again, at Thanksgiving, I don't know what your, your traditions look like, but usually at Thanksgiving, uh, we take a minute before we pray over this big meal we're going to eat, and then we're going to all like go into a, a turkey coma, and it's going to be awesome. But before we, before we actually eat the meal, we pray, and we say, hey, let's be thankful. Let's just let's stop and give thanks. What are you thankful for, right? It's, it's part of our, our deal. Um, and I, I love that, that, but that should be a regular rhythm for us to speak out loud the things that we are thankful for. With our kids, when you're driving down the road, if you're a parent, regularly just saying, hey, guys, what are you thankful for? Because you're probably headed to a store where they're going to tell you all these things they need, right? Or they're going to talk, you're picking them up from school, they're like, well, such and such has this, and I'd really like that. <laughs> well, let's stop and be thankful. What about just let's thank God for what he's done, for who he is and what he's done, and speaking those things out. When we sing songs together on Sunday morning, there's a power that, is come, that comes in, in us just praising God for who he is and what he has done. It's interesting that through the Psalms, which are songs, they are written in the in scripture for us that this idea of praise and thanksgiving and worship, they all flow together. Praising God and speaking that out is so good for our heart. It wars against the envy. It wars against the entitlement. It reminds us again of God's goodness. That may sound so elementary, but I'm telling you right now that if you will speak those things out, it will change your life. Have you ever been around people who are not grateful, not thankful? Have you ever seen their countenance? 
You ever seen their physical face over time? They look really like they're in pain, right? Because they're not thankful people. They're not grateful. And I think that there's literally physical things that happen to us whenever we choose to be people who are not grateful. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be glad and, and, and be uh, really praise God for. So there are some benefits, by the way, of thankfulness. Just, just a couple, again. Number one, thankfulness, it guards us against temptation. It guards us against jealousy. It guards us against envy. It guards us against idolatry. In our lives, thankfulness, being a thankful person, actually protects us from sin. It's interesting that when I was reading this week, several places in Colossians, uh, Ephesians, where you see this idea of thankfulness uh, show up is it, don't, don't act this way, don't do these things, but be thankful. Be self-controlled, be alert, be thankful. It's like all through the New Testament that thankfulness is a big part of that because thankfulness is a way that we can actually protect our hearts against sin, against rebellion. And you guys know what sin does. Even in the life of a believer, sin what? It kills, it destroys it breaks down relationship with us and with, with others and with God. That, that's what happens when sin comes in. And so it protects us against envy and entitlement, jealousy, rage, anger, all those things that can come. So thankfulness is actually a way to combat sin. It's a way to protect us from being lured in specifically to idolatry, to putting something above God and saying that that will bring me my peace, that will bring me my satisfaction, that will bring me my joy. Are you with me? Like, we know that when we say thank you, God, we realize where our true meaning, our purpose, our, our value lies. And it's not in the stuff that we think we want. It's in the person who has saved us, who has rescued us, who created us, who loves us, and who gives us an eternal home with them forever. So that's one of the benefits is that it protects us. It guards us against temptation. I see this in my life again and again and again. Uh, when I go to the store, I kind of alluded to this earlier. I, I joke about my kids going to the store and wanting something, but I, I actually kind of avoid the mall now. I, I feel like if I go in there, it just like makes me feel like I got to have this. I got to have, I mean, it's advertisements everywhere. I'm not saying if you go to the mall, you're evil. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you, my own heart wrestles. When I go to the store, there's certain things I see. If I go, for me, if I go to Cabela's, that's a danger zone for me. Okay, I'm just going to be honest. I go to Cabela's and it's like, oh, I need that tent. Oh, I need that. Oh, I need that. Um, and so I've actually learned to be thankful for what I have. And it helps my heart be prepared for the things that I'm going to want. And when it helps my wanter come like down a little bit, a few notches, right? And it reminds me again about how gracious and good God has been to me. It fights against that. But also, here's another great thankfulness benefit. Thankfulness benefit number two is that it points people to Christ. If our mission is to make disciples of all people, if our mission is to take the gospel to the nations, if our mission is to love our neighbors and to tell them about Christ, guess what? A grateful spirit is a, is a great way to build a bridge into sharing the gospel, with others. In fact, um, I believe that when we say thank you to God, and I'm not talking about like these little trite, thank you, God, thank God, thank God. I'm talking about like being really honest about the fact that we see that everything is a benefit and a blessing from him, that everything comes from him. I'm not talking about being these hyper-spiritual people that are disconnected from reality, but I'm saying like when we really talk about our children, we talk about our spouse, we talk about our work, we talk about our lives, and we say, I'm so thankful that God has blessed me with these things. That is a, is a doorway into sharing the gospel with other people because they're like, what? Didn't you work for that? Didn't you earn that? Didn't your parents give you that? Yeah, but everything I see that is a gift from God. I see it that way. And so thankfulness is a great way to point, point people to life in Christ. And by the way, thankfulness is contagious. It's really good. Like uh, not being thankful, I mean, it just becomes a cesspool really fast. But when you're thankful, 
and you're thankful. It's, it's such an uplifting thing, such an encouraging thing. And people around you benefit from your gratitude and benefit from your thankfulness. I was reading this week uh, a guy named Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a uh, great preacher uh, from England. And uh, he was saying, isn't it interesting how the human heart works? That we go along through life, we experience all these blessings, and we don't thank God for them. But the moment things go south, the moment things go, get bad, get hard, we look at God and say, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you being so mean to me? Why are you letting this happen? Isn't that interesting? You see, the, the human heart's conditioned to grumble and complain. But hopefully over time, the more we love Jesus, the more we fall in love with Jesus, the more we see his benefits, that what comes out of our mouth is gratitude, gratefulness. Colossians 2, 6, and 7, our staff, we memorize scriptures together. And it's just a simple verse. It talks about how, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, right, being built up and established in the faith, rooted in him, then it goes on to say that we would remember the things that we were taught and that we would overflow with gratitude. That is the goal of a Christian life, is to be a people who are so thankful because we understand the beauty of what has happened in the person and work of Jesus. So this week, as you say thank you, as you sit at a table or on the ground or wherever you sit for Thanksgiving, I think our house is going to be so full, people are going to be sitting on the ground. But as we think about saying thanks, the number one thing we say thankful for is the rescue that we have in Jesus, the redemption we have in Jesus. And everything else, guys, listen, everything else is icing. It's icing on the cake because we understand that our greatest need was met through the person of Jesus. Our greatest need, salvation, was met in the person of Jesus. I want to ask you guys, you can either close your eyes or you can read on the screen above me. I want to read a psalm from Psalm 103, just the first 13 verses of it. And I want you to hear these words this morning. It's so rich. It's so good for me. And notice what the psalmist says on the front end. He says, forget not all his benefits. That is a, that is a hard thing to do. But he's literally preaching to himself on the front end, and then he starts just listing off all the things that God has done, how God has rescued. And so, so hear these things this morning. If it'll help you, close your eyes and just listen to me read it. Psalm 103, verse 1. My soul praise Yahweh, and all that is within me praise his holy name. My soul praise the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your sin. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his way to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and rich in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. Amen. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. Or repaid us according to our offenses. That's good. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Father, we just thank you this morning that you are a God who is gracious and good to us. We were like the 10 lepers. We were isolated. We were cut off. 
We were rotting away in our sin. And yet, Jesus, you came and you died. You laid down your life for us so that we could have healing. Not just physical healing, but spiritual healing of our souls. That the sin that was killing us, that you put to death on the cross. And thank you that by the power of your resurrection, we now have the ability to no longer be enslaved to our sin, but to live as victors, as more than conquerors, as Scripture would say. And so this week, I pray that even through the conversations we'll have about Thanksgiving, that that will stir us to remember the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the rescue that we have experienced, the beauty of the life that we have in you, Jesus. I pray that all of us in this place would be a thankful, thankful people. You protect us from the envy, the entitlement. You protect us from the other sins, the idolatry that creep in whenever we don't see what you have done. And I thank you again, Jesus, that you are hope. You are life. You are joy. Satisfier of our souls. We pray us on your strong name. Amen.